without help. Hester stared at the stiff, repellent mass lying in the dish and felt her own throat contract and her stomach gag at the thought of such a thing inside anyone. Swab? Christian directed. Needle? Oh. She moved to obey just as the door opened and Calandra came in, closing it softly behind her. She looked at Christian first, a softness in her eyes she disguised only as he turned to her. He gestured to the dish and smiled. Calandra looked startled. Then she turned to Hester. What is it? Hair, Hester replied, swabbing the blood away as Christian worked. Will she be all right? Calandra asked. There's a chance, Christian answered. Suddenly he smiled, extraordinarily sweetly, but there was a sharp and profound satisfaction in his eyes. You can go and tell Thorpe it was a trichobezoa, not a tumor, if you like. Oh, yes, I'd like, she answered, her face melting into something almost like laughter, and without waiting she turned and went off on the errand. Hester glanced across at Christian, then bent to the work again, mopping blood and keeping the wound clean as the needle pierced the skin and drew the sides together, and finally it was bandaged. She'll feel a great deal of pain when she wakens, Christian warned. She mustn't move too much. I'll stay with her, Hester promised. Laudanum? Yes, but only for the first day, he warned. I'll be here if you need me. Are you going to stay? You've watched her all through, haven't you? Yes. Hester was not a nurse at the hospital. She came on a voluntary basis, like Calandra, who was a military surgeon's widow a generation older than Hester, but they had been the closest of friends now for five years. Hester was probably the only one who knew how deeply Calandra loved Christian, and that only this week she had finally declined an offer of marriage from a dear friend because she could not settle for honorable companionship and close forever the door on dreams of immeasurably more. But they were only dreams. Christian was married, and that ended all possibility of anything more than the loyalty and the passion for healing and justice that held them now, and perhaps the shared laughter now and then, the small victories and the understanding. Hester, recently married herself, and knowing the depth and sweep of love, ached for Calandra that she sacrificed so much. And yet, loving her husband as she did, for all his faults and vulnerabilities, Hester too would rather have been alone, than except anyone else. It was late afternoon when Hester left the hospital and took the public omnibus down Hampstead High Street to Haverstock Hill and then to Euston Road. A newsboy shouted something about 500 American soldiers surrendering in New Mexico. The papers carried the latest word on the Civil War, but the anxiety was far deeper over the looming cotton famine in Lancashire because of the blockading of the Confederate States. She hurried past him and walked the last few yards to Fitzray Street. It was early September and still mild, but growing dark, and the lamplighter was well on his rounds. When she approached the front door, she saw a tall, slender man waiting impatiently outside. He was immaculately dressed in high wing collar, black frock coat, and striped trousers, as one would expect of a city gentleman, but his whole attitude betrayed agitation and deep unhappiness. It was not until he heard her footsteps and turned so the lamplight caught his face that she recognized her brother, Charles Latterly. Hester! He moved towards her swiftly, then stopped. How... how are you? I'm very well, she answered truthfully. 
It was several months since she had seen him, and for someone as rigidly controlled and conventional as Charles, it was extraordinary to find him waiting in the street like this. Presumably Monk was not there yet, or he would have gone inside. She opened the door, and Charles followed her in. The gas lamp burned very low in the hall, and she turned it up and led the way to the front room, which was where Monk received prospective clients who came with their terrors and anxieties for him to attempt to solve. Since they had both been out all day, there was a fire laid but not lit. A bowl of tawny chrysanthemums and scarlet nasturtiums gave some light and an illusion of warmth. She turned and looked at Charles. As always, he was meticulously polite. "'I'm sorry to intrude. You must be tired. I, I suppose you have been nursing someone all day?' "'Yes, but I think she may get better. At least the operation was a success.' He made an attempt at a smile.